I, I don't know that I'm comfortable speaking for the global government, but <laughs> but I, I would say coming out of the hospital environment, um, what are those differences? And if you start to think about those things and what do you do? Do you make good eye contact with your audience? Do you use good facial expressions? Because someone on the front row is going to see your face differently than someone away at the back of the auditorium. And that is what is coming up on Bootstrapping Your Dreams show. So stay tuned. Now, here are two powerful words to change your life. What if? What if you do have what it takes? What if you can design your life? What if your crazy dreams do come true? You are here because you have a dream. You have a fire in your belly. You want to change the world and you want to lead the charge in the post-socially distant era. The big question is this, how can ambitious people like us build our dream lives? This podcast gives you the answers. We have created the perfect community of the world's best minds who want to get things done. Survive and thrive in this uncertain world. Join us by navigating to bootstrapping.group. Hello and welcome to this new episode of Bootstrapping Your Dream Show. This is going to be a fun episode. Uh, I have my friend Elaine uh, Jacks here. So uh, just let me quickly introduce Elaine. Um, we met on LinkedIn a few months ago and we've been having quite an interesting um, conversation. So uh, Elaine seems to know a lot about what is going on right now. Uh, so we'll, we'll talk about that. Uh, Elaine uh, is a, a certified uh nationally certified speech language pathologist and an internationally certified leadership coach. Uh, she teaches us how to set our mindset to be you plus one percent um, so that you can climb a mountain one step at a time. We will tap into uh, uh, we using this method she taps into the inner brilliance to find the one person you can do today to become an even more amazing you. Uh, like a big ship changes its rudder by one degree and arrives at a completely new destination, you can change your destination if you change one person every day. Awesome. Welcome, Elaine. Thank you very much, Manish. It's my pleasure to be here. All right. So uh, I know you have a very interesting story. Um, so can you just um, introduce yourself and tell us how you got here, where you are? Well, thank you. Again, it's very kind of you. I appreciate the honor to be here. So a little bit about me. I am currently standing one foot on my third career and one foot on my fourth career because I like to keep learning and growing and apparently getting alphabet soup after my name while I do it. So I am currently a medical speech language pathologist, as you mentioned, I'm nationally certified here in the United States. And I'm internationally certified as a leadership presence and leadership development coach. So those are my third and fourth careers, which I'm doing at the same time, because again, apparently I get bored easily. So I need to do lots of stuff. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, I know A-class personalities, they get bored easily. So I, I, uh, I can relate to that. Uh, so speech language pathologist, pathologist, right? Uh, so for a lay person like myself, can you explain what does that mean? Like, what does that actually mean? Well, it means different things for different people who use that term. What it means for me is I work in the acute care setting in hospitals. I work with adults only mm -hmm. in that setting and primarily despite the fact that 
speech and language are in there. Primarily what I do is swallowing disorders. So people are having difficulty swallowing after a stroke or a surgery or an accident, something along those lines. So the speech language is a little bit misleading in this case. I do work occasionally with communication disorders in the hospital, but primarily it's adults who are having difficulty swallowing. So it's like yeah, medicine, exactly. uh, like medicine and, and things of that nature or food and stuff, stuff like that? Everything. Yeah. People who are having trouble swallowing different textures. I, I, I like to joke that um, when I was when I was growing up, I was told you don't play with your food. So I grew up and got a master's degree in playing with everyone else's food. So. <laughs> All right. Great. And then um, what about your life uh, uh, leadership coaching? Uh, how does that play into your medical profession? Well, I actually, I, I'm going to tell you for ethical reasons, I keep them totally separate. Um, my patients, people I work with at the hospitals, they don't know that I have a fourth career and I keep it separate just for ethical reasons to make mm -hmm. sure there's never a question about, am I trying to poach, you sure. know, one thing for the other. Yeah, yeah. So, so for me, I draw from my speech pathology career and my knowledge of neuroscience to help me create a really holistic view um, perspective for my clients in the leadership presence field. So that's how I draw going back and forth. And I will say now that I am a coach and some of the coaching things that I've learned, I've learned to have better conversations with my patients and their families as well. So it has kind of gone back and forth for me, but mm -hmm. otherwise I do keep them separate. That's great. And um, so let's talk about uh, some of the challenges that uh, people are facing right now. And uh, I know you have a very unique take on, on things. Uh, so let's start there. You know, uh, can can you tell us what actually is going on with this whole pandemic coronavirus uh, situation? I know you are in California, which is uh, the sort of the the hot spot, uh, if you will, in U.S. Uh, among other places. But what we hear uh, from the news sources, uh, from the traditional media outlets, seems to be uh, not the exact reality on the ground. So can you share with us, like, what are your views on what is going on uh well <laughs> I, I don't want to overstep because obviously i have been being good and staying in in within my own state and area so i really can only speak to california i i know that i'm only privy to what i hear from friends connections that kind of thing for other areas but as far as california is concerned um they are tentatively planning to reopen loosen the restrictions starting this friday so a couple days from now and I think that's in response to at least the experience in my area is, is that most of the hospitals are primarily empty. People are afraid to go to the hospital because they are scared they're going to get COVID from the hospital. Mm -hmm. So there are hospitals in the area that have 700 beds that only have 17 patients in them. Wow. So there are hospitals in the area that are laying off nursing staff and other hospital staff just simply because there aren't enough patients to support it. So I think that's leading into lifting some of the restrictions to say, okay, maybe we're panicking to a level that's not supported by the data that we're seeing coming out of hospitals. I see. So uh, what is your opinion on this? Like, are we panicking uh, needlessly or is this the right response uh, from the global governments or what is your opinion on this? Well, I, I don't know that I'm comfortable speaking for the global government, but <laughs> but I, I would say coming out of the hospital environment, um, 
Yes, we do need to be respectful of other people. We need to be a lot more careful about when we're sick, staying away from each other. But that's not just for COVID. That's for anything like a cold, like the flu, you know, other things that fall into the same class as COVID. The coronavirus is a class of viruses. And so just recognizing that when you're sick, stay home. And that's for anything. And if you're sick or your child's sick, wash your hands and don't just wash them like fingertip wash them, like actually wash your hands <laughs> because that is what the, at least the Center for Disease Control here in the United States says is the primary way that we spread things from one of us to another of us is touching surfaces, touching ourselves, touching other people. Yeah. So washing your hands thoroughly and frequently is the single best way to prevent the spread of most diseases. Okay. So, um, you know, with any crisis, like, you know, there are multiple issues that uh, bubble up. So in this, in this case, there's a public health issue. There's mass psychology issue. As, as you said, like a lot of people are just scared to go to the hospital. There are economic issues that are yet to uh, hit us, uh, in my opinion. Um, according to you, what is the, the most um, challenging, uh, challenging out of these three right now? My perception is, is it's the fear of the unknown that there has been so much banter going on about, oh, is this, is this the thing that's going to kill me, even though I'm 20 years old and I'm totally healthy and maybe I have a dry cough and oh no, what is that? And not to be disrespectful to people's fears, but the level of fear compared to the actual statistics of how many people have it, don't even know it, think that they just have a cold and recover without any complications and without seeking medical care, leads one to feel like the level of panic may be a little unwarranted. Yes. Now, I step carefully because, of course, I'm not an epidemiologist. You know, I don't work for the Center for Disease Control. But just from what I'm seeing and the statistics that I'm seeing of people who recover, how many people do get sick, and for people who do unfortunately pass away, they primarily have complicated medical pictures. And this is just that one more thing that that unfortunately added one too many things for their immune system to recover. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, of course, uh, we don't want to come across as giving away any medical advice here. Um, but this is more, um, you know, just getting a little bit of a rational picture from, uh, you know, a medical profession professional who actually goes uh, into these uh, hospitals and, and visits these patients. So, you know, that's that's sort of the, the intent. So anybody listening, anybody uh, watching this, please uh, obviously don't take this as medical advice uh, and and uh, talk to your physician. But at the same time, you know I do see that there is uh, there is uh, irrational fear because of misinformation. So the the objective here is that we can just look at a different perspective and see you know how how uh, what what is the reality from a different different perspective. So uh, to your point, uh, you know. A lot of people are getting sick. Uh, there are certain patterns that uh, you know the governments and the CDC and uh, and other uh, organizations are are sharing. So, based on what they are recommending, based on what you're seeing on the ground, what are some of the patterns that you're seeing? As you mentioned, a lot of people actually recover and don't even notice they have the the virus. So, um, what are some of the other patterns that may be uh, um, may not be recognized by the masses uh, in, in, in general, or there may be some misinformation according to your uh, perspective. So can you share a little bit more about that, like in terms of age bracket, demographics, um, what kind of uh, pre-existing conditions you may have 
um, so 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 that you know people can say okay you know this is this is how I need to look at it and um, frame my mind or thoughts around it based on my condition. Okay, that, that's, that's a very big question. <laughs> so to take the part of your question of what other medical conditions can contribute to you being more susceptible to having this turn into a complicated case, you know, the, the symptoms of it tend to be touted as having a headache, having maybe a runny nose, maybe not, it depends on who you talk to. And then, of course, a dry cough. It doesn't tend to turn into a congested cough or, you know, there, there are lots of fun medical terms for this stuff that comes up from your lungs, but it doesn't tend to turn into that unless it progresses from this part down into your lungs. So because it is a primarily the big concern comes out of it, it being a respiratory um, illness, then you need to think about if you also have things like asthma or if you have things like COPD, which is chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, so you have difficulty getting enough oxygen and maintaining your oxygen levels as compared to your carbon dioxide. Those are those things plus things like CHF, which is congestive heart failure, anything that impacts your ability to breathe easily. If you already have those things and you're you tend to not be as healthy of a person, then you're more susceptible to having this proceed from just a dry cough, maybe a little runny nose, maybe a headache to it going into your lungs and causing pneumonia, which can be the thing that progresses into a complication where you need extra assistance from a hospital. So those are the things I, I say it that way, because in general, people say, oh, older people over the age of 65, those kinds of things. And I, I will tell you, my mom falls into that age category and that offends her because she's very healthy. <laughs> so she's like, my age is not a thing. So it, it doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, I've had patients, you know, who were much younger, who just didn't have a really good, healthy medical picture where this is going to be an issue for them. Whereas I have people in their late seventies, they're totally fine. And they're out walking, they're doing stuff, they're great, and, and this isn't something that's likely to be an issue for them any more than a 20-year-old. So I step on that just a little bit lightly because, again, I don't want to offend someone yeah. who's a healthy 80-year-old. <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, that's great. Now, uh, you know, people who are nervous about uh, their health, their immune system, are there any um, simple things they can do right now to either... Uh, you know, protect themselves or just sort of um, get into a, a little bit of a better shape, uh, you know, contribute a little bit towards their immune system. Absolutely. I would say the biggest things that people can do that are the simplest is if you can, if your particular country isn't restricting your outside activities, to get outside every single day and get fresh air. Get get your blood pumping, help your red blood cells regenerate, help your white blood cells do their job better to protect you get outside, get fresh air. I know there's differences in climates and everything, but if you can get sunshine, a, a reasonable amount, I have to say that because I'm a redhead, so a reasonable amount uh, for whatever it is <laughs> for your skin yeah. type. Mine is but like 10 times more than yours. <laughs> for me, a reasonable amount is like eight and a half minutes and then I have to rush inside, but no. Yeah. Um, so so for, for people who can tolerate being out in the sun, that's the best way, the most natural way you can get vitamin D, which actually helps to support your immune system. So get outside, get that fresh air, get that vitamin D, make sure you're doing good hand hygiene, good body hygiene, make making sure that if you do choose to eat, there's lots of jokes about eating too much, but if you do choose to eat, that you choose well, that you choose things that are healthy for you because we are what we eat. 
So if you're choosing things that are not good for you, that are hard for your body to deal with, um, if you're drinking a lot of alcohol instead of water, uh, just kind of step lightly on that one. You know, the, the good hydration is is a thing. So there, there's some really basic things you can do, like good exercise, getting enough sleep, making sure that you practice good hand hygiene and body hygiene, and then making sure what you eat and drink is uh, good for you and not, not maybe harming you. Yeah. So... So yeah, I mean, in a, in a state of despair, in a state of uh, uh, frustration, some people um, may opt to eat unhealthy, which which is, uh, you know, arguably is going to increase the increase the um, uh, anxiety. So so it's it's a good way to sort of turn things around and start eating healthy. Uh, what about the the mental aspect? You know, because as I just mentioned, uh, everybody everybody understands rationally it's good to eat healthy food. But, you know, we know people smoke, people do drugs, people drink alcohol. Um, so what are some of the things that they can do to mentally prepare themselves to, to get through this whenever, you know, whatever, whatever is coming, uh, however, however the situation unfolds? So that's a great question because as you know, mindset is so important. How you choose to approach life, your perspective on life is going to change how you feel. And that's a neurochemistry response. Mm -hmm. If you approach the situation, this, this is the most terrifying thing ever. Just me making that facial expression and talking that way and tensing my body actually increases the cortisol pr production in my brain. Cortisol is the neurochemical that is our response to stress. So just having that bathing my brain will make me feel more anxious. The things that you can do to help yourself is don't bathe your brain in cortisol by listening to news all day long. Maybe say 10 minutes, I'm going to get an encapsulation of what the statistics are right now. Do the numbers match the level of hype that I'm seeing? And if they don't, maybe I'm just going to close that down for the day and focus on what can I do? What are the things that I can do? This is a great time to do things like upskilling, you know, figuring out is what I was doing before this, the same thing that I want to do after this, what do I want to take forward and what changes do I want to make? This is the time to be doing those. Mm -hmm. So being more creative, trying out new things, reading new books, taking webinars from people that are offering free services right now. Do all of those things to help open your mindset to what are the possibilities rather than looking at like, Oh, these are all the things I can't do right now. Yes, there are things we can't do right now, but look at how many things we can do right now. Yeah, yeah. And this is a great opportunity to take advantage of that and look at as we step out of this, what do I want that to look like for me? Yeah. This is really exciting instead of terrifying. This is a really exciting time and take advantage of that. Yeah, I think um, you're, you touched on something here, which uh, I have noticed uh, whenever there is um, there is a, some sort of a disaster or some sort of a crisis. It actually brings out about a huge load of opportunities. And because of the disaster and the crisis, we have to rebuild rapidly, right? Like it's not like a, a normal pace of regeneration. And this, ha I have seen it in nature. I've seen it in business. I've seen it in life. So whenever you, you go through like a, a challenge, uh, the, the subsequent period is, is experiences massive growth. You know, it happened after uh, 2008 crash. It happened after September 11th crash, right? So yeah. no matter what people say, being in the moment is kind of difficult. Like what the heck is going to happen? But um, universally, you know, uh, people, we need to rebuild. And, and during that rebuild process, everybody will need to contribute. Uh, at the same time, you know, you are saying consistently, the same things as a lot of other people, myself included, are saying, don't watch the news, upskill yourself. 
and what i have found is as i am saying more of that i'm getting a little bit of a pushback where people are saying hey you know what uh, i'm not in that state of mind i'm not motivated right now you know i'm not i'm i'm, I'm in a, a closed very small apartment you know these like everybody is in a different situation so um, i i i i saw their uh, state of being and then i said okay you know what what is what is it that we can say that doesn't come across as as us preaching them hey thou shall not watch news for more than 10 minutes thou shall upskill yourself um so how can we you know sort of motivate them empathize with them say you know we are going through similar challenges uh, we are not above any of this and how can we you know get them to a place where they see uh, a different point of view and 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 get motivated and that is is a really great point because it's definitely one of uh, the two words that popped into mind while you were saying that was empathy and vulnerability mm-hmm. is recognizing that people need to know that they're not the only ones in this because when you're sitting alone in your apartment all by yourself there's a lot of fear there's a lot of things that float through your mind you know wor- worst case scenarios what ifs those kinds of things and to acknowledge that and to say you know what we're in this together yeah. And I appreciate you sharing this time with me and I appreciate you being willing to be vulnerable with me. And I just want you to know that, you know, I feel like I'm crawling the walls too. Um, and one of the ways that I've chosen to deal with it is through blah, 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 whatever it is. If you feel they're open to that, sometimes people need to be heard and yeah. feel validated first. Yeah. So I always encourage leaders to be very empathetic to their teams. I, I don't say, you know, don't overshare. You don't need to talk about, oh, my word, I had to do this many loads of laundry but this morning before this call, you know, because my baby puked on everything. Maybe don't share that much. But, um, you know, to be able to connect, to say, hey, is anyone else feeling like they're crawling up the walls? And to acknowledge it, open the door for people to feel like, yeah, we're all human. We're all in this together. And then you can say, okay, what can we do together? What would be good for you right now for us to do together? Shall we watch a TED talk and then talk about it? Mm -hmm. Shall we do a Goldcast video, you know, watching party and pick out three of our favorites and share them with each other? You know, those are little ways that you can say, we're in this together and kind of encourage someone to say, let's try something else. Let's fill our mind with something else besides negativity and fear. But if you don't acknowledge it, then people don't feel validated and they feel brushed over and disrespected. And that's really unkind right now when yeah. there is so much fear going around about the unknown. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Acknowledging acknowledging once um, we are very, very good at acknowledging positive emotions. You know, we are all over the place and happy and dancing and everything. But uh, for some reason, we tend to hide or even suppress our negative feelings and and uh, as you as you mentioned, you know they 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 find a way to bubble up somehow, um, to you know to demonstrate a point. Like uh, I have I have two sons, eight and ten, and uh, you know I, I had a, a challenging time with the with the older one, uh, where I'm trying to explain things to him that you know the situation has changed quite a bit. We cannot be doing a lot of things that we were used to, and uh, and yeah, I mean it didn't go well. Uh, uh, you know he's ten years old. He's trying to come to uh, grips with this. And as a parent, I'm trying to figure out, you know, how I can navigate this. So it's a huge challenge for me. I haven't figured it out yet. So what I'm trying to say is like, everybody's going through some challenges, you know, just because we are sitting here, you know, doing this podcast doesn't mean like everything is all good in our lives. Um, but there are challenges that we we need to face uh, regardless. And you correctly mentioned it's, 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 it's like a, a, a huge equalizer. Everybody's going through the same thing. Um, so, 
And now let's talk about leadership because I think it is very applicable in this scenario as well. Um, so how do you develop uh, leaders? Are they born or can you develop them? Oh, that's, that's a fun question that a lot of people have different answers to. I think that in spite of someone's title, that anyone can be a leader. You know, someone in an urgent situation can step forward from, um, a, a, we're, we're just gonna, I'm not going to use titles here because I don't want to be demeaning, but, you know, a low level position. You know, someone who isn't seen as the leader can step forward and take control of a situation and lead people to safety. They mm -hmm. are a leader. If you inspire and empower other people, it doesn't matter what your job title is. You're yeah. a leader. So I think that we all have the capability of being leaders inside of us. It's whether or not we choose to grow that and empower that and become that mm -hmm. will depend on whether or not we're good leaders or uh -huh. great leaders or fantastic leaders. So I think that's that's my way of answering that question. Great, great. And then how do you bring about that leadership quality in, in people you work with? Like, you know, if like right now, as I said, uh, it's, it's a great time to become a leader and, and step up. Uh, so what are some of the some of the things that you can recommend people do to to bring about their leadership skills in, in themselves? So some of the some of the basic things that I encourage is to work on pretty much anything that falls into the category of emotional intelligence. So talking about being more vulnerable, being willing to be transparent, definitely being honest, demonstrating, not just saying things, being clear, being a good, effective communicator, being a really good listener. All of those things, you know, you and I have talked about eye contact before and body language and all the thing that that really excite me and 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 get me going but those are all bits and pieces that when put together into a holistic package make for a really fantastic leader yeah. and we're not always going to be good at all of those all of the time but now is a great time to practice with your kids yeah. with yeah. your teams with other people you know having these kinds of calls and saying okay can i be a good listener can i demonstrate this skill use this time to practice those. Yeah, This yeah. is a great time to practice those. Exactly. No, I, I can attest to that. I was not, a, I'm still struggling with it. I'm still not a great listener. I will say that. But uh, podcasting has forced me to hone in that skill <laughs> because <laughs> if I don't listen, then uh, it won't be a good podcast. Let's take a quick break for an important message from the Bootstrapping Your Dreams community. Get the support and insights you need for your business and life. Join our community, which is fueled by the same people who advise the world's top leaders and champions. Stay ahead of the curve. Join us now by navigating to uh, bootstrapping.group. So, um, but one thing, uh, you know, as you mentioned, the non-verbal aspects of communication, eye contact and, and body language and everything, I think that plays a, uh, even a bigger role than the words that we say or write, right? Um, and I know you are very animated and you really like to uh, uh, to express yourself. So um, tell us a little bit about that. Like how can people adopt you know, that uh, animation in their communication and how does that help? Because a lot of people think, you know, it kind of look, it, it will look funny if I, you know, move my hands all over the place. Where do we, these hands go? Um, and they generally just stay still and just, you know, deliver their speech or whatever they have to say. And, and it doesn't really impact their listeners. 
So can you sh uh, share with us how they can, how this communication style can add more vigor to their delivery and how do they uh, learn this thing? Well, that is a fantastic question. And one that's of course very exciting for me that you asked. I will, I will say that if anyone has experienced what is a truly captivating or mesmerizing speaker, if you really pause and you think about what did they do different than someone else who just stands there and talks with their mouth closed and is very monotone, you know, the difference is night and day. And those are all the things that if you just look at those two examples of maybe the last meeting you went to and a really captivating speech, maybe those are the night and day examples you need. What are those different and if you start to think about those things and what do you do? Do you make good eye contact with your audience? Do you use good facial expressions? Because someone on the front row is gonna see your face differently than someone way at the back of the auditorium. And so how do you reach that person at the back? Because every single person who's willing to pay attention needs to feel like you're there talking just to them. Yeah. And how you can create that is in part by the neurochemistry of we have mirror neurons. If people see a look on your face, they are likely to feel that response inside of them. So if you show them that you're bored, you're stiff, you're uncomfortable, that's how your audience is going to feel. And most speakers that I know, that's not something that they say, I want everyone to be bored and listless and lifeless and feel uncomfortable while I talk. You know, it's, it's not something that most people put as a goal for their talk unless they're talking about something disgusting, in which case that's probably perfect. But, but for most people, they want people to feel energized. They want to feel enthusiasm. And those are the things that you have to embody, knowing that what our brain does is it mirrors that. It feels that. And you can either create that or you can basically suck that out of someone. Yeah. So smile. Use your smile. Everyone has a beautiful smile, I believe, anyway. If you use it and you don't just smile like, hey, you know, you don't just smile down here. You smile to your eyes. I have ladies go, oh, but I'll have crow's feet. I don't care. That's how we know that it's a true smile. So yeah. smile to your eyes because having these muscles around your eyes activated elicits that in someone else's brain. And it says, I feel warm. I feel connected. I actually want to have this conversation. I feel better having this conversation with someone. They, that's one thing I actually want to touch on is when public speakers get up front, a lot of the times they think about it as I am speaking at this group of people. I would like to encourage people to instead think of it as I'm having a group conversation. Mm, yeah, yeah. And the reactions might not be verbal if people aren't being rude, but the reactions might not be verbal, but making those connections with your eyes and seeing people go, oh, those, those are the responses. That's the conversation you're having. And that changes for most people when they change that thought process of I'm sharing a conversation with this audience rather than I'm speaking at them or I'm teaching them things. Have it be a participatory conversation, even if it's just that, oh, and you see that look on your audience's face. You can create that for them by how you present yourself. So I know this is super high level and we covered a ton of stuff really, really super quickly, but this is something that I work with people is to say, how can you create that for people? And you can, anyone can learn that if they want to. And you brought up smiling and I want to know, uh, you know, um, really uh, acknowledge the fact that you, you smile a lot, you make, uh, you laugh a lot and you make other people laugh and, and you incorporate these little humorous stories into your, um, uh, into your conversation. Uh, and a lot of people actually struggle with that, right? I think humor, humor 
is a great way to connect. Uh, a lot of people struggle with that. Uh, so any 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 tips on how to incorporate, uh, you know, uh, like even get started with a little bit of humor, because as we know, if, if a good joke is not told, you know, in a, in a good way, it will be really, really, uh, it's actually going to backfire, right? So, so what is your formula? Humor, you have to step carefully with humor. I will agree with that because yes, even a really good joke to told poorly, it, it's going to it's going to be worse than if you hadn't told it. If you feel uncomfortable with telling jokes, if you feel uncomfortable with having a little interesting anecdote that has a humorous component to it, if that's uncomfortable for you as a speaker or as a leader, at least start with smiling. Because you will feel better. The interesting biofeedback loop that happens is when you smile, you release endorphins, you release happy things in your brain, the oxytocin, the cuddle or connection hormone is released just for yourself. And so your body says, oh, I'm feeling good. And so what are you going to do? You're going to impart that to someone else when they see you smiling. So if you can't tell a funny joke, at least think of something that's funny to you and smile truly to your eyes. And that in and of itself will help your audience to smile and feel happier. If you can't tell jokes, please don't <laughs> because it will be worse for you. But at least smile. Anyone can smile. We all have that capability inside of us. So at least start by smiling. Think of something funny. Think of something your kid said or your mom said or anything else. Think of those things and use that to at least elicit that really positive, wonderful, connective chemical in your own mind and get that mirror neuron thing happening for your audience as well yeah. would be my yeah. basic. That's a, that's amazing advice. Now, now if I can, um, if I can make one observation, uh, maybe, maybe you didn't notice that about yourself, but what I noticed is your uh, your humor is is about just you know life in general like you know your regular everyday life uh, events happen and and let's face it you know a lot of what happens in life is quite funny if you if you if you look at it from that angle it's very funny yes. you know how uh, how humans behave how they observe the world how you know these uh, belief systems get formed it's quite funny if you observe it so um, you know. People don't need to go out and buy a whole bunch of joke books. They can just observe their own life and uh, and uh, incorporate those jokes in their uh, in their conversation. Uh, and and it has a good effect as well. Like it actually humanizes you. It actually shows the other person that you know uh, we are similar in in many ways, right? Yes. Yes. All right. And um, uh, now let's talk about. Uh, your work environment. I know you 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 are particular about you know certain way of sitting, posture, environment, and all that. So um, can we dive a little bit into that and uh, how do you uh, perceive uh, these things to be important in your work environment and how do you manage this? Like how do you do this for your own work as well? Okay. Um, I'm, I'm reaching for, I'm not entirely sure what you, where you're going with this question, but for me, uh, from what I understand, you are particular about the work environment and posture while working. Is that correct? Or is that, yes. okay. Oh, so, absolutely. So, absolutely. so, uh, my question is how does this impact our productivity, our work, and what do you do to improve, uh, your posture, your work environment? Absolutely. It, it, I, you know, I've talked about the biofeedback loop that your body gives you if you allow it. And that is if you are sitting in such a way that maybe causes discomfort, you know, poor posture obviously is a big deal. But if, if even if I, I 
I get teased a lot about this. I'm actually doing it right now. I sit on like the very front part of my chair because I'm, I'm so into this. I'm so excited about this conversation. So there's this whole bunch of chair behind me that I, I barely use. Uh, but for me, that that is my I'm into this posture. I'm, I'm really into this. Whereas if I sit back and I'm just kind of leaning back and of course I'm you know exacerbating it by crossing my hands in, in front of my body. I'm, I'm closing my body off to you. The other thing is if we were sitting in person Manush, and mm. I suddenly did this, the message that I'm sending to you is, I really don't agree with what you just said, or I'm really not into this anymore. Or of course the standard is I'm bored or I don't respect you, or I really don't wanna be a part of this conversation. So just creating this distance for us makes such a difference. Whereas if I'm like, oh, really? Oh, that's very exciting. And I lean forward and my face is right here and everything for you, you feel that difference already yeah. that I'm actually engaged in this conversation. You can do that for yourself just as you're working at home and how you sit. If you sit in front of your computer and you're like, okay, I'm typing out here somewhere and you're really not into it, your body will start to bathe you in the chemicals that say, nah, this really isn't important to me. Mm -hmm. And your ability to focus on that is going to be much less. Is that? Oh, yeah. yeah, of course, yeah. I'm, I'm, I, I asked that question because I'm really, uh, I guess, uh, in a way, I'm just getting coaching for myself. <laughs> so, because I'm really uh, bad at that. Um, and typically I have seen, a lot of engineers, software engineers are, are bad like that because, you know, we are so used to sitting in front of the machines all day long, all night long. So thank you for sharing that. Now, let's come back uh, to the most important aspect that I wanted to talk about, which is you plus 1%. So tell us a little bit about that. What do you mean by you plus 1%? So that is my way of encapsulating the Kaizen principle out of Japan, which is to say, let's take you where you are right now and let's do that continuous improvement let's take that one little step that says you know there's that thing that someday i would like to have accomplished this that, you know an example that i use quite a bit and you referenced it right up front is i will have people who will say things like not actually like this because i don't help with mountaineering but i will you know have someone who say i'm a couch potato right now or i'm only someone who strolls around my house but i'd really like to climb a mountain someday just as a, a very poor example. Um, but how can we get you there? Instead of saying, oh, someday it would be great to have a selfie of myself on top of Mount Kilimanjaro. Well, you're not gonna get there unless you actually start doing work towards that. And so it's the idea of, because it's you plus 1% today. And I will tell you that people get on discovery calls with me and sometimes they're surprised because I will say, what is the one thing you're going to do to move yourself forward today? And I actually spoke to a gentleman and he said, oh, well, you know, maybe starting tomorrow. And I said, no. I said, you misunderstood. When I say you plus 1% today, I mean, what is the one thing you're going to do before you go to sleep tonight? Mm -hmm. and, and he stumbled. He was really shocked by that. And I said, no, it starts right now. I don't care if you work with me or not. It starts right now. My legacy for this planet is if you have a phone conversation with me, you're going to move forward at least one step. <laughs> Even if that's one step away from your phone and never speak to me again, you're going to take one step. <laughs> but it's, it's my way of saying, don't put it off. You're worth investing in. So let's take you, add that 1%, and let's do it today to move you forward so that your future self can look back and say, thank you for doing that. Thank you for taking that step that started us rolling towards this path of becoming the even more amazing person than we are right now because of what you did last year, two years ago, five years ago, whatever it was. It starts today. 
That's cool. And investing in yourself. And so, uh, you know, I always, uh, I always have, uh, again, you know, my engineering mind is more like, I got it. Uh, what do I need to do next? I need to improve myself 1%, which is, for me, it's, it's an abstract thing. A lot of, I understand it, but how do I incorporate it in my life? Can you give me some examples of what that improvement of 1% may look like in somebody's life? Okay, so we'll, we'll, and that's a great question. Thank you. Let's take the example of, say, you're a couch potato. You're not, I'm sure, but um, you want to climb a mountain. Well, obviously, you can't jump off the couch and strap a pack onto your back and walk up the mountain because, you know, hamstrings and shoes and, you know, the, the fact that you're not close to Mount Kilimanjaro where you are and you know, all of that stuff. Mm -hmm. So let's say that's your goal. So how can we break that down? Well, for starters, you probably need to look at What's your exercise level? What are your shoes? What are things that you can do to stretch and warm up those muscles and those kinds of things? So an example would be, okay, Manoj, how about you decide how many steps you're going to take today? And then what does that look like tomorrow? And then what does that look like for the next day? So let's say you, you normally walk around your house 10 times. Maybe you run a little bit to catch up with your sons, that kind of thing. Well, maybe today what you do is you run around catching your son's two more times than you do normally because they need extra exercise too and it'll help them sleep better and that's better for you. But <laughs> you know, those are the kinds of things that 1%, what is one little thing you can add? I have given actually the example of if you go to the grocery store and this is a terrible example right now, but if you go to the grocery store, don't park as close to the building, park two more spots away or three more spots away. And you can say to yourself, I'm gonna get 15 extra steps doing that or 18 depending on your stride, whatever it is. But you're also doing something really good for the planet by saying there is someone else like a mom with five kids who's just really struggling to get through her day who now is going to have a closer space. So you can feel positive that you're doing something for yourself and you're doing something for somebody else. And that can give you that motivation to say, OK, I'm taking this one percent. I'm parking a little bit further away or I will give the example I've actually given this as, as something to do right now is instead of saying, OK, I'm going to gather up all these things from this room. And I'm going to carry them into this other room and then I'll check that off my list. Say, okay, part of your plan is to get more exercise. So how about you take that stack and you take them one at a time mm -hmm. to the next room? And yes, it's silly, but right now where you're supposed to be staying inside, that's a great way to add some exercise, which will help prepare you to climb Mount Kilimanjaro. Is that a huge percentage? No, but does it get you more active? Yes. So that would be just the physical example of it. Um, does that help? Oh, yeah, yeah, totally. So I just wanted to... Uh, highlight the fact that this one percent, you know, because because people get uh, okay, what is one percent? Is it like if Kilimanjaro is what eight thousand feet? Maybe uh, do I need to climb like eight eight eighty feet or whatever? Um, so I just wanted to highlight the fact that you know this one percent uh, could be very small uh, step, but uh, if we keep the objective in mind, if we keep the outcome that we're looking for in mind, and we sort of work backwards from there. And then we do that one percent. I think it, it it works really beautifully. But I think a lot of people get confused about okay, what could be my next one percent? They'll start doing things which are totally opposite to you know what the what the, where they want to go. Um, so thanks a lot for sharing that. Um, now uh, you know your knowledge of neuroscience and and medical uh, and your knowledge of you know how the mind works and and providing coaching. Uh, it gives you a, a, a huge uh, advantage about what happens in the in the brain at, at a at a at a physical level 
uh, when we experience certain emotions, right? Um, and uh, during this time, a lot of emotions are bubbling up. Like everybody's so hyper emotional. Um, whether that's positive, they are excited about what the future holds, or they are very negative about, uh, you know, like uh, I don't know what the heck is going to happen. And I know there is a, a certain equilibrium that you can start to maintain to to bring yourself uh, calm yourself. So, uh, any 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 uh, tips you can share about you know how you can balance the negative versus the positive so you can have a healthy uh, experience through through this uh, time of crisis. I that's a Not, beautiful question. Yeah. Something that's very very timely right now is to recognize that we are all going through this and to validate that for yourself to say you know what i'm feeling scared or i'm feeling frustrated or i'm feeling stressed or i'm feeling super irritated or whatever it is that you're feeling acknowledge it and say you know what i'm not the only one feeling this a lot of people are feeling this way this way right now it's what you do with that that then matters and mm -hmm. to say okay how do i want to respond to this do i want to marinate in this for half an hour and just be like and feel you know miserable and horrible for half an hour and get it out of your system okay if you need to do that then do it but recognize set a time limit on that and then say okay what am i going to do to help myself move forward through this to grow forward is one of the terms that i like to say and I like to recommend things like doing meditation, doing exercise, of course, you know, watching motivational videos, talks, those kinds of things, reading uplifting books that help uh, infuse that growth mindset and po more positive mindset in um, having conversations with people who have a different perspective from you, who maybe can uplift you is also a good way. So you feel heard, you feel validated after you've done that for yourself, of course, and just commiserating and sharing with another human being can help you feel more connected right now. And that will, of course, release the oxytocin, which can help imbue you with all those other nice neurochemicals so that you can move forward and not get stuck. And to recognize realistically that a feeling, a thought, it's transient. Nothing mm -hmm. is permanent. So if you can recognize it, I like to use the visualization of sitting outside and watching clouds go by. Yeah, you can say, oh, that one looks like a rabbit. And that doesn't make it a rabbit. Mm -hmm. It doesn't make it a real rabbit. It's not going to hop down and hand you an Easter egg. Not that that works biologically, but <laughs> it, it, it is something that you can say, okay, I'm feeling this way right now, frustrated, happy, whatever. And it's going to float past and there's going to be another thought or another feeling that's going to come, but not getting so attached. I used this example actually a couple of days ago of letting those thoughts go. If you don't let a negative thought go, it's like holding on to a cactus. Mm -hmm. It's just going to keep poking you. It's just going to keep hurting you and embedding you with all those little spines. So let it float by and say, I acknowledge that. I acknowledge I feel this way. A lot of people are feeling that way. Okay. Let's see what the next one is. Look, it looks like a turtle or it looks like a giraffe or whatever. To be able to be a little less connected to that can sometimes help give you that perspective so that yeah. you can move forward. Yeah, I think, uh, thank you so much for, for bringing it all uh, full circle. I think um, to, to summarize it, you know, what, you have, what you're saying is obviously maintain a positive mindset, communicate a lot with other people who can help you uh, go out, um, you know, for for um, uh, rejuvenating your body, uh, and uh, 
also things like meditation and or any other practice tai chi uh, yoga whatever uh, can help uh, bring that balance into your mental and physical aspects those will be really good um so thank you so much uh, for for sharing your thoughts um we went all over the place uh, you know we talked about the medical condition what what the government is doing and all that and we brought it down to an individual level and i hope we were able to give uh, a good actionable advice uh, that people can incorporate into their lives right now uh, so once again thank you so much for being with me today uh, sharing your beautiful smile telling uh, giving us a little bit of a comedy lesson as well uh, <laughs> and uh, and i hope to have you again uh, on our uh, on our show very soon thank you very much manish that's all for now until next time If you want to realize your full potential, I invite you to join our community. We support and help each other out because no one has to do it alone. Join us today by navigating to bootstrapping.group. The community is free to join, no strings attached except for one. You have to take action. So if you are an action taker, we want to talk to you. Join us by navigating to bootstrapping.group. If you want more insightful interviews with industry leaders then check out these other videos we have picked for you right here and subscribe now to get our new content